in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, what's important to see here in this great commission, we call it, of Jesus is that Jesus begins by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, right? So that therefore is very pivotal to connecting those two sentences. It's as if Jesus is saying, I created the heavens and the earth, but they were corrupted by sin. But I've defeated that now. The forces of darkness and evil are powerless to stop what I'm doing. Therefore, therefore, if you're with me, Jesus says, if you are my representative, he says, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. So go, go and tell everyone this good news. Live it out. Align your life according to it. Love it. Cherish it. Commit to it. That's essentially what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I am the king of the universe. And all authority and every square inch of everything you see around you belongs to me, Jesus says. So go, therefore, what are you afraid of? Therefore, you can do this. Therefore, make disciples in my name. What could be more important? Jesus is telling everyone, everyone who follows him, there's nothing more important than this, than this news. And there's no one else that he wants to deliver it. He wants you, Christ follower, you, believer in Jesus Christ. He wants you to do this. By yourself? No. Together. Together with Jesus' other disciples. In other words, with his people, with the church. And so it was God's intention. It was God's intention all along for his church, his people, to carry out this mission after he left the earth. See, the church is not a human invention. People did not create the church. Jesus created the church. It's his. You are his. We belong to him. He is the head. He is the leader. He is the ruler. It's his body, so to speak. It's his family, so to speak. It's his. So in short, our mission as a church is to make disciples. That's really the short way of saying it. But that's not the only thing that the New Testament speaks about and teaches us about the church. The Apostle Paul and others have a lot to say about what kind of disciples we should be. Jesus gave us the overall strategy. Go and make disciples in all nations. Teach them what I have taught you. And then the rest of the New Testament authors continue and they elaborate on this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and they speak to us and they say, these are the kinds of disciples a church is supposed to be making. Or you could say, what disciples of Jesus in the church are supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be doing as we pursue this together? So, so when you look at the teachings in the New Testament about the church, you know what you find? You really find three things. You find three recurring themes that just keep, you keep seeing them all over the place, Right? Love for God, love for each other in the church, and love for, out, love for those outside the church who do not know Christ. 
That's really the three things you keep, you keep seeing. And listen, that, that is true for any gospel-believing church. Those should be the three purposes of any church. Right? So you could, go on, you could go visit any other church in Jacksonville or in America or really in the world, or you could go on their website, and if they're really preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they should be pursuing those three things. They should be trying to make disciples who love God, love each other, and then love the world in all the right and good ways. So we're all just kind of figuring out, hey, how can we say that? How can we say that in our context? Every context is different, right? The way we do ministry here at Kernan may differ from the way a church does ministry somewhere in Europe or the way a church does ministry in Alaska, right? There's just different contexts that mean different things and you're reaching different kinds of people and that's great. But here at Kernan, we want to love God and express that in our worship. We want to love each other and express that in our community. And we want to love the world around us and express that in our normal everyday lives. So again, that's how we have come to this vision statement here at this church. Kernan exists to glorify God by making disciples who do what? Fulfill the three purposes of any New Testament believing church. Worship with authenticity, walk in community, and witness as we go. But you know what makes... What makes those organizations I mentioned earlier, what makes them truly successful, it's not, it's not just the statement, right? It's not just some catchy statement. It's the people. It's the people in the organization that make a vision statement true and bring it to reality. The people in the organization must be carriers of the vision. They must own it. They must believe in it. They must see it as their purpose. Make it their own personal purpose in order for it to really truly become reality. And so the same thing is true for a church, The same thing is true for a church, except here's the deal. We have an amazing advantage that the rest of the world doesn't have. You know what that is? You know what it is? Kyle Lane. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We We have the Holy Spirit of God, right? We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, empowering us to live out the truths of Scripture. That's what we have, right? And so other businesses may have great advantages in different ways in their uh, sector of society or whatever. But listen, we have the Holy Spirit of God. That's what we have. That's who we have. Yet, we must still commit to following his lead, right? We must willingly submit to him. We must allow him to do his great work in our lives. And so how do we do that? How can we do that? How can we really own this vision as a church, how can we pursue it together as one united church for the glory of Jesus' name? Well, listen, I, you know, today's not the day for, for us to just stand up here and, and celebrate all the ways that we have been doing this over the next, or over the last four years, I should say. Um, our members' gatherings, that's where we do that, right? So that's the primary place that we, we celebrate and we talk about very specific details and, and we show you the goals that we've set and the ways we've accomplished those goals and all that great stuff. But today, I want us to break down this vision statement in these three parts, worship, walk, and witness, right? And I want us to see what we're really supposed to be doing as disciples of Jesus together in this church. And as we go through these, I want you to ask yourself, how can I really own this myself, right? So this is a collective effort, but me personally, how can I own this vision in 2024? What adjustments can I make in my personal life that will really make a difference in the corporate life of this church? What adjustments can I make in my life to become a more devoted follower of Jesus in these ways? All right, so let's break it down. All right, so the first, the first part, you could say, of, of the three parts of our vision statement is, is worship with 
authenticity. That's what we want to do. That's what we believe the Bible is commanding us to do. Now, let me ask you this, all right? How many of you got exactly what you wanted for Christmas? Just show of hands. Wow, okay. That's interesting. I thought we would have had more people on the nice list. Okay, guess not. Uh, maybe next year. So, well, see, me and my wife, Christy, we don't, we don't really do surprises. We just tell each other exactly what we want, right? Just get me this, get me that, right? Uh, now, that takes out the element of surprise, but it also takes out the risk of disappointment. So we're good, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. If, if someone gives you a gift, and it's a surprise, but you really wanted it, right? You know you're grateful. You're so grateful in that moment, right? Oh, how did, how did you know I wanted these socks? How did you know that, right? It's so sweet, right? No, if somebody gives you a gift that you really wanted, you're, of course, you're super grateful. And you probably express that gratitude in some way to that person, right? So you, you give them a hug or you write them a thank you note, whatever. But there are some gifts there are some gifts, and we all know this, it's cliche saying, but it's true, right? There's just some gifts that money can't buy, right? And so there are some things that we long for deep in our souls that actually no human can provide for us. But this is what God, this is what God has given you. You want to see the gift you've received from the Lord? If you follow Jesus Christ, look at this, Hebrews 12, verses 28 and 29. The author of Hebrews says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving, and look, look at the gift. This is the gift. Be grateful for receiving a kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, the author of Hebrews says we should be grateful because of this gift we've received, right? Look at it. Look at what we've been given. A kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You see, this makes all of your other Christmas gifts this year look bad, doesn't it, right? Did you know, right, when you were opening those socks, did you know that you had a kingdom already? I mean, it kind of, you just can't compare, right? But how is this so? Right? How is this so? Notice at the end, at the end of verse, or this verse 29, right? He says, our God is a consuming fire. That's an interesting way to describe God. A consuming fire? What does he mean by that? Well, God's wrath, God's judgment burns hot against sinners who have deserted him. God created all humans to live for him, to love him, to know him, to be in relationship with him, and we've all turned our backs. We've all turned our backs and we've all said, you know what, I don't want that. Thank you, God, for making me. Thank you for giving me things. Thank you for being there for me occasionally, but I really want to just submit to myself. I really just think that if I'm my own authority, things will go great, right? So God's wrath and judgment righteously and rightfully burns hot against anyone who has chosen to worship themselves or worship something else in this world instead of who, were we, who we were made to worship in the first place, him, right? And the bad news is that's all of us. But on the cross, Jesus was consumed by God's fiery wrath 
and judgment, get this, for you. So you don't have to be. Jesus stood in our place. Do you see that? Jesus stepped in front of you and took the wrath of God on himself that me and you deserve. So that those who turn from their sin, those who trust in his name, will never have to experience God's fiery wrath against sin, his justice against sin. It's Jesus in our place. We get his blessings because of this. We are united to him forever. So we get his inheritance. We inherit the kingdom of God alongside Jesus Christ. And it's a kingdom, the author of Hebrews says, it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. When everything around, when everything else around you is shaking, right? Do you ever feel like this in your life when, when things just seem unsteady? Some of you are there now. When things are not stable in your life and it seems like you're, you're just your life, your emotions, your anxiety is just shaking. When you feel unstable, when you feel unworthy, when you feel unloved, you can find true gratitude. You can find true peace in knowing that you belong to the king of the universe. That knowing that, that his kingdom cannot be shaken and that belongs to you. Your feet are on steady ground if your feet are planted firmly on the rock, Jesus Christ. Now, do you see it? Right? Do you see it? Do you see the author of Hebrews, what he's saying? That's what you've received. And so what does he say? Thus, let us offer acceptable worship. Why, why would we not? When we think about what we have, that's why we worship. It's when you really take the time. It's when you really take the time, right? Not just, I'm not talking about a two-minute Instagram, you know, scripture memory in the morning. I'm talking about a real serious meditation, thinking through what you're reading in the scriptures, praying about it, spending time with the Lord. When you really take the time to meditate on this and you think through it and you think about the implications that this truth has in your heart and in your life and on those around you and how you treat them, you know what you are compelled to do? You are compelled to worship. You're compelled to worship not with some kind of religious habit or obligation, but with authenticity. Now, if you're not really thinking about what Jesus has done for you, if you're, if you're not really thinking about the kingdom that you belong to, then you know what? Listen, you can come here. You can come here every Sunday and, quote, worship, but it probably feels cold. It probably feels cold. Or it may just feel like another routine or thing to check off your good morality che checklist. You know, I did that. I went to church, feel better about myself. Other people probably think I'm a good person. Check. But when you take the time, when you take the time during the week before Sunday, before Sunday, to just sit, to just sit, to just turn off the TV or, or just whatever, just sit and be still and read God's word and meditate on it. Think about the kingdom you've been given. Thinking about the great lengths he went to to sacrifice himself to save you because he loves you that no one else in the world could ever love you like that. 
But nothing else in this world could ever give you that kind of stability, eternal stability. And when you think about that, when you take the time during the week to think about that, then, then you come to church on Sunday, then you come to church on Sunday, and you know what? Your heart, you're walking in this room with a different perspective. Your heart is ready to worship. Your heart is excited to worship because you are compelled. You know why? Because you're grateful. Because you've been thinking about it. You've been thinking through all the implications. You've been grateful all week. And so you come in here and you don't come here to just find some emotional spark. No, you come here to worship because you're already grateful. That, that is what it looks like to worship with authenticity. So what commitments can you make? What commitments can you make in 2024 to worship with authenticity? Worship like that. Well, let me encourage you. You can write these down. They're not going to be on the screen, but you can write these down if you listen. So first of all, meditate. I'm not talking about that weird, you know, whatever. (laughs) No, I'm talking about good spiritual Christian meditating on the truth of the Scripture, right? Listen, that's that's not weird or spooky or mysterious. It's simply reading God's Word, right? And then thinking about it. Think about what you're reading, right? That's what I mean. Don't, don't just breeze through it. Just really dive deep into it. Think about it. Maybe journal, right? Journaling helps me think through the scriptures and what, I'm actually, what they're actually saying and things like that, right? Pray about it. Prayer is a wonderful thing to do. Pray about what you're reading. Lord, show me what this passage means. Lord, apply this to my heart. Show me the areas in my life right now where this truth could be applied, right? That's meditation. That's what we mean. It's just spending time with the Lord in his word. That will transform who you are. It'll transform your heart. It really will. That's how the Holy Spirit works in us. All right, so that's one. Two, attend weekly worship, right? You can't worship with authenticity if you're not worshiping, right? Right. So be here. Just make it a commitment to be here in 2024, right? Unless you're sick, unless you're going on vacation, we get it, right? But don't just sit at home on a Sunday morning because the sun's out or because you coughed three days before, right? Be here. Be here on Sunday mornings. Participate, right? That's the third thing, really, is not just attend, but participate in weekly worship. So when you come here, sing, right? Partake in the Lord's Supper when we observe that. Possibly serve during the worship service. We have lots of opportunities. Serving is a form of worship, by the way, right? The, the, you can be in the worship band. You could be one of the ushers who helps uh, collect the offering. You could be on the audiovisual team. You could read scripture on stage. There's all kinds of things you could do. What about this? Give your tithe. Give your tithe and offering to the Lord. That's an act of worship, right? The reason that is an act of worship is because it's a declaration It's a declaration that we know and understand that all things really belong to God anyways. So when we give our money back to him at church, it's a way of saying, Lord, this is yours already. This is yours already. You are the king of the universe. You have given me this. I'm going to give some of it back to you because I love you and I trust you with it. That's a form of worship, right? So all of these things, all of these things are ways that we can worship with authenticity this year. All right, second part of our vision. Now, yes, in case you're wondering, that part was longer because it's the most important, okay? (laughs) Uh, That part's the most important because, listen, if we don't get that part right, you're definitely not going to get the next two right, right? So you have to set your heart before the Lord. You have to worship with authenticity or you're really not going to be able to do these next two things, at least not well, not not with sincerity. All right, so the second part of our vision says that we want to make disciples not only who worship, right, with authenticity, but walk in community, Okay? Now, the word walk is used many times uh, in the New Testament to describe 
the Christian's spiritual journey. So you can look on the screen, Romans 6, 4. All right, there's a lot of scripture here. So Romans 6, 4 says, Paul says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk, right? Walk in newness of life. So that word walk implies a journey, right? A spiritual journey that we're on after we trust Jesus to be our Savior till the day we die. We're on this spiritual journey of growing in our faith, maturing in our faith, walking with the Lord. So as we grow in our gratitude for the gospel, like we just talked about, we learn how to walk, right? It's like a little child, you know? What do they do? They crawl before they walk, right? And then when they start walking, they're falling down all over the place, right? It's kind of funny at first, right? So that's, that's us. That's us spiritually. When you trust in Christ, you're just crawling at that point. But over time, you got to get up and walk. You got to grow. You got to mature in your faith. And you do that, how? That's what we just talked about. In gratitude. By meditating and focusing on God's truth, his word, who he is, the gospel, And so we learn how to walk with the Lord and grow in our faith as time passes on. And and this walk with the Lord, this spiritual journey, here's the thing, right? This is hard for us to hear with our American individualistic mindset that we're all ingrained with, but here's the deal. It's not meant to be done by yourself. You need other people to do this, all right? Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, look at what Paul says. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, All right, so we get that part. Yes, we're supposed to mature in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom what though? The whole body. So not just you. You're a part of something bigger than yourself, Paul says. The whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I love those two verses because they just, it's such a beautiful picture of really what the church is supposed to be doing, right? Growing and maturing our faith together with each other, building ourselves up in love. Our walk with the Lord was always meant to be done in the context of Christian community. In other words, the church, the body of Christ. We are his body, Paul says. Look at this, what he, how he says in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, for just as the body, speaking of your physical body, is one and has many members, right? So your eyes, your ears, your nose, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ, right? So this is the metaphor he's using. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. All kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, for all different kinds of previous lives, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. See, Paul says, there's nothing else like this in the world. There's nothing else like this in the world. That when someone trusts in Jesus' name and trusts in what he has done for them, that they are being incorporated into something so much bigger than themselves. Right? And this isn't just a neat idea. This isn't just wishful thinking. This is reality. This is reality for those of us who belong to Jesus. We have really, truly been united by his blood. We are family. We are family. Nothing else 
Nothing else can give you the kind of connection and the kind of community a church can give you because we have an eternal bond. You may have some really cool and neat relationships and connections with other people or groups or organizations that, you're a, that you belong to outside of church, and that's great, including your own biological family, sure. But you know what? Nothing, nothing compares to the family of God because we have an eternal bond that truly will last forever. See, right after Jesus left the earth in the first century, his, his truth and his love affected the first church so much. It impacted them. It compelled them so much that it radically changed who they were. It radically changed the way they did life together. They didn't look to other organizations or clubs or communities to find their sense of belonging. They knew they had a kingdom that could not be shaken. That's what they knew. And so they committed everything they had to it. They gave themselves fully to it. They gave themselves fully to Jesus and his people, their family. They found their belonging and his people in the church. And so look at this description in Acts chapter 2. Right? Luke gives us in a very, a very just holistic view and comprehensive view of what the church looked like. This is the first church, right? So in Jerusalem, not long after Jesus ascended into heaven, this is what they started doing. They were so compelled. They were so motivated by his love, so grateful. This is how they lived. Look at this, verse 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Why? Because the outside world was looking in, watching these Christians love each other with a radical commitment. They had never seen anything like this before, right? The temples and the worshipers of Zeus and Apollo and other Roman gods of the time didn't provide this. They didn't see their followers or their worshipers living like this. But all of a sudden, this new new group who followed Jesus from Nazareth, they start living radically in love and commitment to one another. And they start treating each other better than they even treat themselves. The world had never seen anything like that before. People were attracted to it. And what does it say? The Lord added to their number. Day by day, those who were being saved, they saw the gospel. They heard the gospel. They repented of their sin and they believed. And they joined the church. That's amazing, isn't it? They loved each other sacrificially because that's, they knew that that's how they had been loved themselves by Jesus. They knew they were family. They were united forever with him. So what commitments can you make? What commitments can you make in 2024 to walk in community? Well, it's pretty simple, really. I would say, you know, listen, if you haven't already, if you have not already, get plugged in with one of our community groups. We, we named our small groups here at Kernan after the word community because we believe that signifies what we're trying to do, right? What we're striving to do. So join a community group. Uh, if, you're, if you're already a part of a community group, you can ask your leader 
how you can help or contribute. Right? You can help the group plan hangouts and fellowships. You can uh, help plan mission projects. You can make coffee or bring breakfast for people. You can take attendance. Uh, you can host your group maybe at your house occasionally. Uh, you can just do all kinds of stuff. Right? There's really endless opportunities. So just check with your, your CGO, your community group leader, and ask, hey, how, how can I help? How can I help build community this year in our group? What about this? Make it a point to pray. Pray for the people in your group. Right? Prayer really does connect us uh, with the Lord, but when we start praying, of course, with other people, it connects us together, right? We start to care. We start to understand the needs in our group. So make it a point to pray for your group members this year. All right, lastly, number three, how can we make disciples who not only worship with authenticity that leads us to walk in community, how can we also witness as we go? Acts chapter one, verse eight. This is also considered the Great Commission, just worded a little differently in a part where Jesus is being more specific about the geographical location and about the purpose of the disciples doing this. But here's what he says. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will be my representatives. You will represent me everywhere you go. So that's going to start in your own city in Jerusalem. And then it's going to spread in all, and in all Judea and Samaria, right, the surrounding region, and eventually it's going to spread to the end of the earth. To the end of the earth. You see, the mission from the very beginning was global. But it starts in your own neighborhood. Now this effort to tell others about Jesus, to live out the gospel and, and love others the way Jesus has loved us, this effort to show the world that there really is a Savior. There really is a God who loves us. He's done everything more than you could ever imagine for you. This effort that Jesus has given us, this responsibility, He's given all of His followers, every single one of us. Right? It's not optional. You can't sit on the sidelines. You, have, you are in the game, whether you like it or not, right? whether you want to be or not. If you follow Jesus Christ You're in this game. It is your responsibility to join hands with other Christians and seek to save those who don't know Christ. But this effort, we can kind of think of it in two ways. You can think of it as an organized effort, but also an organic effort. So organized and organic. So by organized, we mean, you know, we have multiple opportunities throughout the year, of course, here at Kernan to participate in spreading the gospel and showing the love of Jesus tangibly to our local community here in Jacksonville and, and beyond, right? So you can give to special missions offerings, just like we celebrated earlier with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering to the International Mission Board. You can give to those, right? You can serve a local mission organization with your community group members. You can serve at Love First Coast like we do annually every September, and we just do a blitz around the city with other partner churches, right? There's, there's much more opportunities, but you can serve in any of these organized efforts that are vitally important, right? We can do that. But also, what also is important is that we serve or I'm sorry, that we be a witness in a little bit of a more organic way. So those are good, organized, church-wide kind of things. But when we say organic, in other words, what we mean is on our daily basis and our normal rhythms of life, be friends with people who are not Christians. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you tempt yourself and go to places that could be tempting for you, right, to do something that is sinful. That's not what we're saying. 
We're just saying be friends with your neighbors. Be friends with your neighbors who do not love Jesus or don't know Christ or perhaps are followers of another religion, right? Just be, be friends with them. Be friends with them, right? So be friends with them because they're humans made in the image of God. That's why we want to be friends with them, not because we want them to be some kind of project, right? That's not, that's not what this is about. It's not turning a person into a project. It's loving a person because they're a person, because God loves them, and God cares about their soul. So we should do the same. So build a friendship with somebody who doesn't know Jesus, who's not a Christian. If you're truly living for the Lord, the gospel will be evident in the way you act around them. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, all right? But they'll see a difference in your life. But the only way they're going to see a difference in your life is you, if you let them into your life, right? So you just smiling and waving while you're checking your mail, that's a good start. But it's not enough. Inviting them over for dinner, offering to watch their dog when they go out of town, eesh, right? <laughs> Great sacrifices we have to make, right? Listen, if you're truly living for the Lord, if you truly love, if you love the gospel, you're going to want other people to love it too. You're going to love people. You're going to love them because they're people. Even if they're, even if they're nothing like you. Even if they voted for a different president than you. Even if they socially don't hang out with the same kinds of people you do. Even if economically they're not on the same step on the ladder as you, you're going to love them because they're people. Because God loves them and he made them and he wants to be in relationship with them. So be in a relationship with them yourself. Share the gospel. Tell them the good news. What commitments can you make in 2024 to witness as we go? As we go to our neighborhoods, as we go to our schools, as we go to our parks, as we go to our places that we spend time, how can we witness? How can we be faithful in this? I would say the organized way would be support, support and serve in Kernan's organized mission efforts. Make a commitment to do that this year. And then secondly, just like we said, further an existing friendship you already have with someone who's not a Christian or start a friendship. Build a friendship with someone in your life or around you who's not a Christian. Spend time with that person. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their salvation. You know, a vision statement is only as good as the people who believe in it. It's only as good as the people who live it out. But here's the thing. A church is different. It really is different than the rest of the world. We're not a business. We're a family. We're a family that is united in the blood of Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ. And so it takes all of us Every single one of you matters. It really, you really do. You matter. Every single person matters that's a part of this church, who's committed to this church. So let's commit together today. Let's commit to pursuing this vision in 2024. We don't have to look too much further ahead. Let's just think about right now, right here, this year. Commit this year to following and pursuing this vision that God has given us as a church to make disciples who worship with authenticity, walk in community, and witness as we go out and live our lives. Can you commit to that, church? Amen. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us do that. Lord Jesus, we love you. 
Lord, we want to be grateful. First and foremost, we want to love you with all of our hearts, mind, soul, strength. Lord, we cannot do that if we do not take the time to meditate on your truth, on your goodness, on the gospel, what you've done for us. So Lord, fill our hearts with love. Would you refresh every person in here this morning? Lord, we may have had a weary, burdensome 2023. We may already be looking forward to a burdensome 2024 in different ways. So Lord, I pray that you would just give everyone a sense of peace in their hearts right now that you love them. And all the instability in every other part of their lives, if their ground is shaking right now, Lord, give them peace. Let them know that you love them. In the stillness of their heart right now, would you tell them that you love them? And so because of that love, Lord, let us be grateful. And thus, let us offer acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For you are a consuming fire. And Jesus, because you stood in our place, the holiness of God is something we can look to and not be afraid. We can look to with joy, knowing that we are eternally secure. Lord, that will compel us to worship with authenticity. Lord, let us be people, the people of God here at this church, Kernan Church, who worships with authenticity, with sincerity, with really believing deep in our hearts that we are loved, that we are known, that we are eternally united to you. Lord, that means we are eternally united to each other. Would you give us strength to walk in community this year, Lord? I pray that this church Together we would commit to this, that we would get to make friends. We would make friends, that we would build better friendships here in the church with other people. That we would put ourselves out there, maybe be a little vulnerable, maybe sacrifice some time. But that we would make friends, be friends with people here in this body that we are eternally united to forever. Lord, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. We need each other. Lord, help us to walk in community. Lord, help us to be faithful witnesses for you in this world as we go out and live our lives. God, would you give us grace to do this? Some of us, we struggle with this. It's just really hard. It's just really hard. We're busy. Seems like we don't want to add another thing. But Lord, this is so important. God, let us be compelled because of the gratitude we have. Let us be compelled to share this good news with those who don't understand it. Maybe they don't know it. Maybe they've walked away from it in different ways over the course of their life. Lord, give us grace. Give us passion. Give us compassion, Lord, to reach those around us who do not know you, to be friends with them because you love them. Lord, help us to do this faithfully. We need you, Jesus. We commit this year as a church to you. In 2024, we want to be your people. Lord, this is your church. and We want to be obedient to your truth. We want to love you. We want to love each other, and we want to love the world around us. Would you help us do these things? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.